One's an $8 Ikea table. The other one is probably 20 years old, but it has wheels. Really? Yeah, this Where table has wheels. Where? No, but it's 20 years old. Look at it. This table is not from any time in the last decade. It's a table. We can like shorten it. We can also like make it smaller. When was the last time we made this thing smaller though? We this gives me have. big coffee table vibes where like you have the big one and when you sit at your couch, you can pick it up and it comes to you. You know what I'm talking about? Like you can take the top off and it extends over. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. No? This gives me those vibes. A bell. Refill Mr. Franklin's glass, will you? Now, when you get up there tonight, don't drink too much. Oh, don't worry, I won't. How about a whiskey and soda? Oh, less soda than usual, thanks. And this is wine. To drink. Just a bit might improve your humor. Aren't you drinking? I never drink. No, I've had a couple. Come on, I'm not drunk. And an excellent vintage it is, too. But if you're implying that I'm tipsy, sir. And welcome to Tipsy Terror, the podcast where we get drunk, watch a horror movie, then talk about that horror movie while we're still drunk. I messed up the theme song again. What did you do this time? I don't know. It just didn't show up on the recording. That's okay. Good news is you can edit it in. Yeah. Anyway. And who was that talking? That was me, Harish. I'm Molly. I'm Samantha. What else do we do, Molly? We cut in clips. I always forget this part every single time <laughs> I do the intro. Well, I did interrupt you, so it's... We cut in clips. I wouldn't have said it if you didn't remind <laughs> me. <laughs> we cut in clips of us talking about the movie. Like this clip right here. Were the 60s so full of mustard, or is that just how we remember them? And that was scary. That was a clip from while we were watching the movie. Spooky. And it's going to be us talking about which of the monsters we would... Fuck. Of the monsters that aren't cerebellos, which one would you get with? Probably the jangling man. Tori's here. Absolutely not. He said, yeah, he agreed. Who would you get? The pale lady. The pale lady? <laughs> <laughs> and Sam said some very unsavory things about the jangling man. You asked for it. I but the jangling man can probably do things. No. <laughs> you asked I for it. Regret- I did not. <laughs> So, did not ask for like what you said. Uh, <laughs> I asked for a blanket description, not a blanket description, a blanket answer. So today's episode is about just, whoops, scary stories to tell in the dark. The From 2019, 2019 movie produced by Guillermo del Toro. Um, that was for him. And uh, but not King. directed by him or whatever. No, um, he was just a producer. Uh, but he's so, very yeah. hands-on in the production. The 2019 Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. So this was a patron pick. Yes. Um, what we do is for $1 a month, you can vote in polls to decide one of our movies per month. And this was Samantha's suggestion, and it got all three votes. I can't think of the last time I've won patrons. a patron pick. I don't think I ever have. So why'd you suggest this, Samantha? Because we saw it in theaters, and I thought it was a fantastic movie. I, I mean, it's not, like, perfect in any way, but, like, it's definitely... It's a movie made for a younger audience, and I think they did a fantastic job making a very scary story... For younger people. The important thing to remember is this is targeted at youths. Um, 
And then if you can accept that, this is a phenomenal movie. And I just think it deserves to be recognized. Okay. And also, um, I just have fond memories with the books, so. Yeah. <laughs> Molly, this is your first time watching this, right? I had never seen it in theaters because every week I was like, I have time. I can go see it in theaters. And I ran out of time. <laughs> I'm so sorry that you like I honestly think that part of the reason that this was super effective for me the first time I watched it was because we saw it in theaters I know I'm bummed it's a it's a theater movie I got to see it now well I mean let's talk about well I also watched it with Samantha in theaters you sure did Wait, you guys um, go to the movies together <laughs> rarely but yes uh, sometimes uh but uh uh I was not a huge fan of it coming out of the theater but I did like it more watching it this it's time. It's a great movie. And we'll get into why. Ooh. But, uh, so, this movie, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, based on the books, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark by Alvin Schwartz. There's three books. A lot of these stories are from the third book. Um, a lot of these are from the third book. Really? Yeah. Well... Some of them. There, there's a range. Anyway, um, you didn't mention that though. So they are based on the novels, but the way it's told in this is different. In the movies, um, it's rather than going the anthology route and doing like an anthology film, uh, they did a just a completely different narrative story where, um. The main characters are these kids in high school, and they go one Halloween. They go on Halloween. It is on Halloween, yes. Interesting. Okay. They go one Halloween, and then uh, they explore a haunted house um, in their town where uh, someone named Sarah Bellows used to live. It's the Bellows family house. The Bellows like owned a paper mill, and Sarah Bellows was this legendary figure in their community who uh would tell scary stories to like um people in the neighborhood and then those people would also disappear specifically children yeah um and then so these kids go explore this uh haunted house and they find this book and the book it turns out as the movie goes on um stories just appear in the book and then whatever happens in the story happens in real life and so like people just die from scary stories being told about them um and yeah that's the plot of the movie and um so the character of sarah bellas though is completely made up for this movie right there's not a yeah that's what i thought the entire storyline is completely made up has like honestly honestly like they take some elements from scary stories the books um they take um mostly it's the character designs they just directly draw from the illustrations in the books um but uh other than that the stories are sometimes similar but sometimes they like combine multiple stories but over the rest of that the rest the actual like framing storyline is completely made up for the movie so um 
as an adaptation, how does this work for you? Because, like, well, the main thing is, like, this story versus just going the uh, anthology route. What would you have done? I think that this is a fantastic example of an adaptation for this. Okay. Um, like you mentioned, you were like, oh, they chose not to do an anthology. I do think that like seeing all these stories come together as an anthology would be cool, but they're such quick two pagers right. that like you'd have to cram in a bunch or like expand and add a bunch of detail to them. Yeah. And that would like kind of, I don't know. I don't think it hit this. I think if you had the makeup and stuff, it'd still be really cool. But like I liked seeing them come together as one big cohesive tale like i liked seeing it as like a book because like we know these as a book of short stories and so it was cool to see this book of short stories literally haunt kids because as a kid when you're reading them you're like these are going to haunt me yeah and so i think it's really neat and i love that they said it in 1968 they made it a very good tale of the time that it's set in like i think that they crafted a universe that like utilizes this book itself or these books themselves in such a good creative way rather than going the automatic route that you normally would go of probably making an anthology maybe even a tv series out of it yeah like, i think it's good that they went creative and made a world for it right that's just my two cents i agree um absolutely because it's hard I feel like with any kind of anthology, there's going to be different, especially with something like scary stories to tell in the dark, where there are a bunch of little tiny short stories. There's going to be stories that like fans want to see. Yeah. And it can be disappointing if those stories are cut, but you also have to make um, decisions about which stories are going to create the best narrative flow without it being like overwhelming or without it trying to seem like, let's get as many short stories as we can in here and like not doing it right. Right. So I feel like, um, this movie was able to like take a lot of the really iconic stories from the book series and like turn them into like fleshed out moments of a narrative. So I really did like how they did it. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh god damn it! Right, I I I I don't know. I partially agree, partially don't. So, like, one of my biggest problems with this movie, like, the reason that I I am not, like, completely obsessed with it is because it's definitely a kid's movie. Yeah. And the plot is entirely a kid's movie. And, like, the way it ends, it's all, like, it's meant for kids. And, like, so, like, as an adult watching it, it doesn't, like, work for me in in terms of like as a as a horror film like oh like there are plenty of elements that work but overall the storyline is like uh uh anytime i think about it it's gonna be oh that's a kid's movie like, yeah but you I can't don't really care appreciate that like at least they delivered something right, very good right and like i uh i think that's the only problem with the film is that it is a kids movie and they're aiming it towards kids and the storyline is meant for kids to be watching um but every other aspect of the movie is like great like in terms of production it's it's really well done like the creature designs are great um uh but like it does like kind of uh there's like for me 
like if if it were a anthology movie of different adaptations of the scary stories i think that could have gone in a cool direction that like i would have liked more but as it is like what what this movie is i think it's it's like effective and well done in what it chooses to be i think it's good because this the books are for literal children yes the books are meant for children and like they didn't go completely children route like it wasn't like a goosebumps movie or anything like that right but it was for young adults and teens yeah um so i think it's good that they didn't try to make this an adult movie like they should have Mm -hmm. made it for a younger audience and i think they delivered a good story for a younger audience right i mean i get what you're saying but it's like i i kind of probably would have been upset if it was made like rated for r adults, because it's yeah. like this is a kid's movie yeah or that's ki- true. this is for children and yeah that's fair um it's just like for me it's just like not the kind of movie that i'm interested in yeah and that's the problem but it's like i get that it's not for me so like i appreciate it on that level but it's like it's not for me i don't really so you're like not it gonna much. love it yeah. yeah um but uh so like this is a quote from uh Guillermo del Toro explaining why it wasn't why they chose not to do an anthology film and he says uh, this is from San Diego Comic Con in July 2019 he says when we started talking about this about five years ago I had to think about it anthology films are always as bad as the worst story in them they're never as good as the best story I remember in Pan's Labyrinth I created a book called the book of crossroads I thought it would be great if you had a book that reads you and it writes what you're most afraid of. Then the themes become the stories we tell each other. Um, so that's uh, Guillermo del Toro's uh, assessment of anthology. So films. he had you... a hand in like the story then. Yeah, he, he developed it. Um, oh, okay, okay. And like he, it's not like credited as written. It's credited written by other people, of course, but like, he with probably movies. made a um a treatment for it. Yeah, with movies it's like lots of people can like put input into it, but like whoever gets the credit is based on Who arbitration and like of exactly. The yeah. So but like he is credited as developing it, and I think he has a story by credit as well. So like but like he had a huge hand in developing it. So like but mainly I was gonna ask like what are your um opinions on his interpretation of anthology movies as as bad as the worst story and never as good as the best story i don't know if i agree with that i actually tend to remember the best stories and kind of forget about the bad ones yeah but i get it though because i know a lot of people who don't like anthologies because half the half of them are usually like mediocre right. so I like will, eh. i will say um the anthology i'm most familiar with is american horror story okay and there are like i think the first two seasons mm-hmm. are both well sorry i think the first season is a perfect season television okay and i think the second season is really really good yeah and i really like the third season but then there are other seasons i don't like right and i don't always think about them when i th- when i because like, when i do think about american horror story ooh, gross <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> oh my god sorry um uh i think about like oh my god i love the first season it was yeah. so good 
and then I'm um, like if I get into it I'm like but wait there's like all this stuff I didn't like but um in my mind it still is like as good as its best parts right if that makes sense I don't always think about the bad stuff yeah yeah I I would tend to agree like most I love anthology movies just because like I, oh, I love do, yeah. short films mm-hmm. because like with short films it's easier it's a lot easier to do like a cohesive like story that like doesn't have as many plot holes like you don't need to think about all of the details to it um it can get like if they add too much detail like sometimes it can unravel itself right with a short film you can do just like a short creepy scene uh something creepy happens um and then like even if it's not fully explained or if there are plot holes like it doesn't matter because it's a short film and that's what it's for um and so like i i do like anthology movies because they are just like sets of short films which which work uh and yeah the i i agree i partially agree with the statement but uh, partially disagree i i agree that with every anthology movie that you do there's always gonna be like bad ones and they're always gonna like bring down the movie but i do like like i agree with i agree with you guys in that i generally remember the good ones Mm -hmm. um and forget the bad ones i think the thing that makes it hard for us to consider is like obviously we're people who like watch a lot of movies and enjoy film and understand the aspects of film but like i definitely agree that like as the average audience member you're probably gonna remember the bad parts right you know because that's that's just like normal yeah i think it's weird for an anthology movie so for an anthology like series that you can either like read listen to or watch if there's stuff you don't like you can enjoy the other parts of it Without having to go back to the stuff you don't like as much. So when I like go watch American Horror Story, I like usually will just watch the first couple seasons again. Right. Um, and then I'll end up watching all of it. But I like start just <laughs> kind of watching the first six seasons. I like put on the first season around every October to kind of get in the mood for Halloween. Yeah. And um, that's the season I can come back and watch it. And I'm like, all right, that's great. But for a movie, it is like hard to do like an adaptation because you can't just like separate parts of a movie always if there's like a connecting narrative to it like in this movie yeah but for a more anthology based movie you can do that but i think this one as like an adaptation of anthology is a little bit different than a straight up anthology movie yeah yeah for sure it's it's definitely they decided not to go the anthology route and decided to do a framing story because of the quote that Guillermo del Toro said but um so like how do you guys think this did in terms of as an adaptation of the scary stories to tell in the dark that we know from our childhood I think it's great yeah um I think that because the like I said earlier, like I think it's really cool that the different stories came together as still being sourced from a book. Yeah, which is obviously like the thing. It's from a book, yeah. And I think it's cool that they made it like 
the if you read this like the stories happening to real people because like i think as children we were afraid that these stories would happen to us oh, on our patreon sure. i mentioned that one of the stories mm-hmm. to this day i'm scared of um so i think it's really neat that they at least still even if they didn't make it because like if they made it an anthology i'm assuming the connecting parts would have been like flipping through a book or something but like with this one at least they still made it as like one whole story it's still sourced in being a book and i think that's like the key element here and what makes this work is it's it's still a book right so i think that they did a really good job there's stuff that if it happened to me like today as an adult i would be absolutely terrified of like this movie you mean no no no, not from this movie just like stories that i heard from my childhood like how sam was saying yeah but like specific to me that i still hold on to right so there is something i did find very relatable um specifically about the part where ramon is talking about how he was ramon and then that kid um that i can't remember his name chuck yes were they were talking about two stories from their childhood that scared them? Yes. Oh, no, Augie was the stew guy because yes. he was saying his so dad told him that. It one. was Chuck that I'm talking about okay. specifically. So when they were like, oh, it's a story I heard so and so. Yeah. So yeah, like, yeah. I really found that relatable. Right. So um, one of the reasons that I thought I like this as an adaptation. Well, okay. So uh, I I do think this is a good ex- adaptation because they took a different route like rather than going the easy route and just at adapting these stories as like short films and making an anthology they went with like some sort of explanation for why these stories exist and of course they took the more iconic because like Mm -hmm. even more iconic than the stories themselves are the pictures hands down for these which i have some stuff about translating those for later yeah um and like the pictures are mainly what they took as inspiration and used in this movie and the stories like are part of it so something about the original scary stories to tell in the dark is that all three books are based on folk tales uh from alvin schwartz who was the writer of these three books the collector the, yeah, it, the books are all credited as collected by Alvin Schwartz. We should watch that horror movie, The Collector. The Collector is that a movie? Or it's the a collection. The collection. Like um, mm-hmm. a lot of the stories are just folk tales. Uh, that Alvin Schwartz actually like most of them are just folk tales. Um, and if you read the books, they like have a section on notes and bibliographies. Um, explaining where all of these stories come from and where Alvin Schwartz heard them for the first time. Um, But I thought it was like really cool in this movie that a lot of the stories that kill the characters are also stories that they have heard before. Like stuff that their parents told them. Yeah, I wrote this down. Like... um, it augie the first person to die august he gets killed um in the story of the big toe and he talks about oh this was the story that my parents told me uh and i was scared of and then chuck it's a dream that he's had multiple times and that's um something uh and then roman uh his thing is the mitai doti walker which is uh, a, a campfire story he just uh, not roman 
Roman is his name? Yeah. Roman, yeah. Ramon. Um, Ramon, sorry. Wow, okay. <laughs> the reverse. I'm looking at my notes and not based on my memory, so I read it as Roman, not Ramon. But anyway, Ramon, re, uh, it's Mitai Doti Walker. He says, oh, it's a campfire story. I was terrified of it as a kid. And all of these are stories that they've heard before. The Ruth one um, where it's the red spot and all the spiders like it's not she doesn't talk about that but it's also like a fear of hers is like spiders killing her so like it comes out in that form but the the premise of this is that the sarah bellows's book will find your worst fear and then make it come to life um, and I thought it was cool that they included the like kind of folklore aspect of scary stories and made that part of the movie. Does that make sense? No, no. Um, no, yeah, I think it's really great. Uh, I didn't even think about it through that lens until you just pointed it out. But, um, I think, like I said, for most of us, when we were reading these stories growing up, we at least picked out one that was like yeah, this is going to fuck me up. You know what I mean? Right. And so it's cool that they went that route of that hearing these stories as children fucked them up and now they're back to haunt them. Yeah. So I really like that. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Okay, let's go through each of the deaths okay. or the stories that they include in this. So, so starting with Tommy. So starting with Harold. Harold. Tommy, yeah. Yeah. Harold is the Ugh. the story from Scary Stories. It's from the third book, uh, Scary Stories Three: More Tales to Terrify You, or whatever it's called. But um, uh, the story is called Harold. It's about a scarecrow. Um, in the in the movie, do you want to explain what happens in the movie? Yeah. So, in the movie. Tommy is this like jock guy who's an asshole, but his family owns a farm, and Harold is their scarecrow. Ugh. That's terrible. That scarecrow is terrifying. Yeah, I hate Six. it. And it looks just like the picture. Like, it if does, you open up yeah. the picture, it's insane. That's cool. Right. And I think they never like outright say it, but the way they imply the, like, the way Tommy bullies Harold, it definitely feels like he's spent his life not loving Harold. You know what I mean? Like, like being afraid of Harold? Yeah, hardcore. Okay. Yeah. I, I, like, definitely read it like that. Like, the way he has to, like, attack him and, like, the way he looks at him and he's like, oh, well, like, I'm the big guy. Like, it's definitely, like, yeah. when he was a kid, he was scared of Harold. He was scared oh, of Harold. Sure. And, and how could you not be? Like, yeah. Harold is the scariest thing I the have creepiest. ever yeah. seen. Oh, he's horrifying. The creepiest scarecrow, again, just straight up, like, directly taken from the illustration they directly adapted that i have information on that for later yeah so um tommy after halloween festivities happen he gets home and his mom's like you were supposed to bring eggs to yada yada and so he's like i'll do it so he's taking a basket of eggs and i guess the direct route to the neighbor's house is through the cornfield bad vibes yeah and so he like passes by harold and gives him like a little like oh fuck you thing and then he goes and then harold comes to life and chases him through the cornfields and then corners him and then turns tommy into the scarecrow right and then tommy i think becomes harold yeah 
Because like yeah. the next time we see Harold is like he's in a Letterman jacket, which is what Tommy he's wears. He's wearing Tommy's clothes. Yeah. So I'm assuming that Tommy become then becomes Harold. Well, we watched the transformation scene of like yeah. the straw coming but out. But like, what happens to the old Harold? Yeah, that's. I mean, it's never explained. He's free but to live his life. I did want to say like that fucking transformation scene is it so hurts. fucking creepy. It hurts to watch oh like the God. the straw grow out of him because he's so like choking well on it. Yeah. I hate that. Uh it's 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 horrible, but it's it's like great as an adaptation. Mm-hmm. But the transformation scene is so good and the design of Harold is so good and it's so creepy all the like bugs coming out. <sighs> of harold is so creepy you know what i think the creepiest thing about harold is is the fact that once he's off of his like steak thing he like sprints and i hate that (laughs) he's He's ready fast yeah yeah so the story of harold in the book um it's from the third book again as i mentioned before the story is just titled harold and it's about these two brothers thomas and alfred who they just build this scarecrow and they like um design it they make a doll so okay part of it uh, i have the book in front of me in case that wasn't obvious but i have the scary stories book in front of me so part the story is thomas and alfred are these two guys thomas has an idea that changed everything let's make the doll let's make a doll the size of a man it would be fun to make and we could put it in the garden to scare away the birds alfred says it should look like harold harold was a farmer that they hated um and so they make a scarecrow basically that looks just like harold this farmer they hated and then the rest of the story is them like basically just uh, harassing harold and being like hey harold uh, do you like this? Or do you like that? Blah, blah, blah. And then just, like, all they do is, like, make fun of Harold. And, like, slowly Harold becomes sentient. One night after Thomas had wiped Harold's face with food, Harold grunted. Did you hear that? Alfred asked. It was Harold, Thomas said. I was watching him when it happened. I can't believe it. So Harold grunts first, and then uh, they, like, ignore him for a while. And then... They uh, decide they're not afraid of him. And then uh, they they think like some insects or something got inside Harold and were making the noises. Um, and so they put Harold back in the garden. And then they notice that Harold is growing. Uh, but maybe that's just their imagination. And then at one point, Harold like starts walking around and like moving and then uh they're like uh the the story ends with them like trying to leave and then they're like oh there's nothing to be afraid of like it's just a doll like he can't help us he can't hurt us and then harold like one of them like goes ahead and then uh the other guy like is walking away and then sees harold on top on the roof of their hut with like stretching out a bloody skin to dry the last sentence of the uh, story is as alfred watched harold kneeled and stretched out a bloody skin to dry in the sun because thomas um had gone ahead of him uh and so like harold basically killed thomas so that's fucked up it's pretty different that ends really fucked up i don't like the thing about the skin 
Yeah. I'll say it. That's really gross. Yeah. Yeah. I think the story like in the book is like much creepier like as a story. But in the movie, the transformation like makes up for that. Oh, it's watching, haunting. Watching Tommy turn into the scarecrow is so fucking creepy. Uh, so that Tommy's works like really well. Not a good guy. Tommy's not a but good guy. But you wouldn't wish something like this on your enemy. It's so fucked up. Would mm. you? Would mm. you? He was maybe a racist. Who knows? So. Well, yeah, he, <laughs> he was, was a, a racist. massive racist. So yeah, then again, maybe he did deserve you know, this. Maybe racists should all be turned into scarecrows right. violently. <laughs> Bernie Sanders, you know what to do. Um. Okay, so let's move on to the next killing. The toe. Uh, August, yeah. Augie. Augie, um... This is one from the first book. So this one's a combination of two stories. Yes. Because it's the ghost from the haunted house. It's just the picture from a different story. The haunted house and then the big... Well... Yeah, it's a combination of two, actually. So, like, the big toe... So, the story in the movie is that Augie... Um, this is when they notice that, uh, the stories are being written and they call on their walkie talkies. They call their friend Augie who like is at home alone and there's just this soup on the stove, like some stew. It's in the the story is being written like, while this is all happening in real time. Yeah. And he's like on the phone with his mom who like, it's kind of implied that his mom like dates around and he doesn't love like his mom's like out with a boyfriend for the weekend right. or something yeah. and he's like but anyways he's like on the phone with her and he's like i'm gonna eat the stew and then like you don't hear it but he's like well somebody made it and he like heats it up and they Starts like buzz him yeah. and they're like don't eat and he's like don't what are you guys anything. talking about and so then he eats the stew he just eats a few bites and then Oh God! Like his second like bite that he takes, he like spits out this toe, this big toe. How did he not see that? Why would he keep eating? Ah! Um, and then the meanwhile on the other end of the walkie-talkie, his friends Ramon and Sarah, or not Sarah Stella, are there. Um, and they're telling him, oh, the, the toe, like someone's, there's a ghost that's coming and she says, who has my toe or whatever. Where's my toe? Where is my toe? Um, and then, uh, like Augie sees the ghost and then he runs into his room and hides under his bed. The ghost like enters his room and then Augie like doesn't see the ghost. So like he comes out from under the bed to try to see, uh, if it's safe and then the ghost is under the bed and pulls him back underneath the bed and he disappears forever forever and the ghost is from the haunted house story i believe right so and it's like if you think of scary stories to tell in the dark like the fucked up picture it's that ghost yes that is one of the most iconic so this story is actually a combination of two stories uh well it's the big toe the big toe is actually the first story ever in um the original scary stories to tell in the dark it's the first story it's about this kid that finds a toe and then gives it to like his mom who like cooks it into a stew and then a random ghost comes after him and is like, where's my toe? And he's like, I don't know. But then 
the actual ghost is taken from the story the haunted house which is a later story but it's just the drawing from the haunted house which is on page 30 of scary stories to tell in the dark um so they combine that drawing with the big toe storyline um and then use that in this movie uh, and the drawing is really creepy. It's like this dead girl with like no eye sockets. It's literally like as a child, you see that drawing and you're never going to forget it. Right. She's just vibing. She has empty eye sockets. Half of her ha- uh, her face is like dr- dropping her off. Teeth are fucked up. Her teeth hair are is up. stringy. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's the iconic drawing that like. We all know. Um, uh, and then they adapt that as the ghost who's looking for her big toe. Sam, don't forget what you wanted to say about this. What? Your one issue. Oh, yeah. Uh, How do you not see that? Why would he keep eating? Ah! Um, I said this the first time I watched it on my letterbox review. My big issue is that this is, like, to me, and I feel like to a lot of people, like, this is, like, the iconic image. And, like, she's seen, like, twice in the movie. We see her round the corner in the hallway, and then, like, we see another glimpse of her looking down on the bed, and that's it. And I just hate, like, I mean, the makeup that they did was fantastic, and I think that the use of combining it with the Where's My Toe story is great, but, like, we hardly got any of this ghost and she's fucking terrifying they did such a good job making her and like we don't even see her and it's like it's sad because like i want to see more interaction with that thing that's scary as shit yeah yeah it's a really creepy design um but we only really see it twice uh which is unfortunate it would be great to see it more but also it's like, you know, don't show your monster and like hide it. I guess, but that like, monster was like It one. was well done. So good. Right. <laughs> um uh yeah. Uh and then the next death or not the next death, but the next story that they use is the red spot, which is from the third book. Um and it's like this girl has a pimple. This and is terrifying to me. She, yeah, she she has like a pimple that turns, it's a red spot. And then like, uh, it turns out that it's like an egg uh, uh, or a spider had laid its eggs inside her, underneath her skin. I remember reading and then, that like, as a kid. Eventually the pimple pops and like all the spiders come out. It's a very creepy story, but it's also like just your, it's a straight up like, urban legend like it's very commonly told i was told so many times growing up that like that shit could happen to you right the there's the urban legend of the there's also like earwigs do you guys have you heard no story of earwigs no earwig stuff yeah wait i would not like to hear that okay i would like to later feel free to tell me well okay we can if like you can for the listeners i'll just tune out for a second right it's just like you know like when you're asleep a bug crawls into your ear and then lays eggs oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. they are inside your head that's genuinely a nightmare eat your brain uh from the inside out (laughs) and that's the story of earwigs 
but those are both like just general urban legends that aren't like based on reality. And it's not like but a ghost also story like, or anything. It's just like something that people believe could happen to them. Yeah, but it's also like a, a relatable fear because that's like very like that's something that like is realistic enough for you to believe that it could happen. Yeah. But it's also like not something that actually happens. Um but yeah, so like that's the third one, Ruth. That's what happens to Ruth, but Ruth gets saved. Luckily, um, they figure out what's going on. They save Ruth just in time as she's being attacked by spiders. <laughs> they just throw a bunch of water on and her. Just get her wet and the spiders don't move. And oh. the spiders leave. Now, like, that's just worse because now you're wet and covered in spiders. <laughs> yeah. Don't want that. It's like over two. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, and that's just straight up a direct adaptation of the story like the story in the original story it's just like this girl who um gets bitten by a spider and then like the red spot happens and then like it comes out while she's in the bath and then she dies but uh you know it's like as direct Isn't an the adaptation. image for that one kind of fucked up too uh i don't remember like it's just like a normal wait found it <laughs> it yeah i hate that uh yeah it is pretty creepy to be honest it's just like a girl and there is just a hole in her face where all the spiders are crawling out and you see that whole thing it's a pretty creepy image she had shitty hair yeah you know what i should do that's a fucking hole man yeah yeah i should uh when we're after this episode comes out i should like post post the actual picture from the book and then post the picture from the movie all right so i'll do that after that is the chuck pale lady chuck so chuck um is one of the characters in this he has a recurring uh dream that uh where he sees a pale woman who tells him this is an evil place you should run away or something like that uh and then throughout the story of this film they like go to a hospital and he like sees the woman and he just gets absorbed into her basically he that's rain? raining out? yeah it's pouring rain outside um yeah he so he gets absorbed you know what i will say i really like about this and i said it while we were watching the movie is i love the red they could not have done this better it's so stressful and they just did it by like making the alarms go off that's all i love the way they because he like mentions like oh we were in the red room and whatnot and you don't really know like what to think about it and then you see it and they're in the hospital and he had just pulled an alarm and it just turned on the red floodlights. Right. And so the whole place is like this eerie red color, but it like makes sense. And then she's just like showing up and like the way they did it of like he's in an intersection of hallways and everywhere he turns, she's like there, but closer. It's until, very like it follows. Yeah. Right, yeah. Until right. she's like eventually right behind him and then she just absorbs him and there's no like she doesn't talk except for the very beginning whenever he hears like this is an evil place and then she just absorbs him and is smiling the whole time and it's not fun yeah she's just having lunch (laughs) girls lunch (laughs) girls lunch 
Um, I just think it's a really eerie. Like, I think that's definitely to me the eeriest part of the movie. Right. Another so like really cool part of that part of the movie is that. Um, so during this part, they're investigating the story of Sarah Bellows, who is the person writing this book that kills them. Um, and they find, they go to this hospital to find the records and they find this wax cylinder that has a recording of like an experiment that happened mm-hmm. kind of to Sarah Bellows. Um, and as they're listening to the story, Sarah Bellows is like, um, she's like, uh, um, fighting against the doctor or the doctor is actually her brother Ephraim. Um, but She's, like, arguing, and they're basically torturing her until she, like, admits what they want her to admit. And then eventually she's like, okay, I'll tell you what you want to hear. And then she tells the story of Charlie had a dream, but it's, like, the story from the modern day. So this is, they're listening to a recording of something that happened before, but... Sarah in the recording is telling the story of something that's happening currently. And I thought that was like pretty creepy and like really well done in the way that they did it. But the story that this is based on is a lot simpler. It's about this girl named Lucy who has this recurring dream about how, um, there's a room that, uh, she sees uh, like it has like some specific details and then in her dream she like wakes up in this room and then a woman with a pale face and black eyes and long black hair comes into the room and says this is an evil place flee while you can um and she has this dream right before she's supposed to be moving to a town to the town of kingston but uh once she has this dream, she's like, oh, I don't want to move to Kingston. I'll move to Dorset instead. And so she moves to Dorset instead and, like, goes to look at a house. And she meets with the landlady, and the landlady's fine. Uh, and then the landlady takes her up to the room that she would be staying in, and it's the exact room from her dream. And then so Lucy, like, sits there for a second and then the landlady goes to get like some tea or something. Um, and then uh, Lucy just sits on the bed, um, like looking around the room. And then there's a knock on the door and she opens the door expecting it to be the landlady with the tea. But it's the woman with the pale face and black eyes and long black hair. Uh, and then the story ends with Lucy Morgan grabbing her things. Lucy Morgan grabbed her things and fled. And that's how the story ends. She just runs away. Fuck. So it's it's completely different from the way it is in the movie. Uh, and, like, the only thing they keep is, like, this is an evil place. Flee while you can. They keep and the, the, the dream. And the design of the woman. And the design of the woman who is the, the illustration in the book, which is cool. Um, but, like, the way that they adapted that, into the movie it was really well done yeah because all of them obviously none of these characters are moving or anything like that but like i'm sure that they knew that this was one of the characters that people would really like to see in this movie yeah so they they found a creative way to bring it in yeah um and then the last one is 
uh, the one that's attacking Ramon. The jangly uh, man. The jangly man. Ugh, haunting. So the jangly man is not based on an actual like illustration. Jangly man actually is the only one. Yeah, he's completely that's not made based up for the movie. on a illustration. All the rest are actual illustrations from the book, but the jangly man is not in it. Um, but the it's s- actually the thing he says is yeah, it's actually like a combination. So in the movie, they get arrested, they're in the jail, and then um, there's a point where the police officer, the chief's dog is staring at the chimney in the police station. And then a head falls down the chimney and says, me tai do ti walker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Which is the name of the story, right? The rest of the body falls down and then like it combines with the head and then kills the police officer and then like goes and chases after Ramon. But in so this is actually a sto- uh, a combination of two different stories, at least from my reading of these. Um, there's the story Mitai Doti Walker, but right before Mitai Doti Walker in the books, this is from the first book, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Um, there's this really short story called What Do You Come For? And it's about an old woman who lives by herself, and she says, oh, I wish I had some company. But then... Um, some stuff starts to fall down her chimney two feet fall down and then two legs fall down and then a body falls down and then two arms fall down and then a head falls down and then all the parts come together and then form this man uh it says the parts came together into a great gangling man the man danced around the around and around the room faster and faster he went then he stopped he looked her into the eyes and she asks, what do you come for? And he says, what do you come for? I come for you. Ooh, um, good story. And that's how the story ends. And then the story directly following that in the book is Me Tai Doti Walker, which is about, um, basically, it's about a haunted house where someone is staying with their dog. And at one point in the night, like from the distance, they hear someone saying me tai do ti walker and the boy said like the boy who's staying in the house is like oh it's just someone singing but then the dog like looks up and says linchy kinchy kali molly dingo dingo is what the dog says the dog just straight up speaks uh and then it keeps like repeating back and forth me tai do ti walker from outside and the dog repeats the same linchy kinchy kali molly dingo dingo uh, and it keeps happening and happening until a bloody head falls down the chimney and looks at the boy and it says, ah, it just screams out. And it's this is one of those like shock stories where it's like you're supposed to turn to one of your friends and scream. Um, mm-hmm. And that's the way it ends. But so it's a combination of that story and the story right before that about all the rest of the body falling. Wouldn't that be wild if they had made the dog say that? <laughs> if the dog, the policeman's dog, said, Rinky, kinchy, molly, molly, dingo, dingo. Um, but yeah, so they they combine those two stories in like a really effective manner in this to make it just like one jangly man 
who rather than the dog talking or even the jangly man singing from outside it's just as soon as it falls down it just shows up in the police station and says mitai doti walker and then after that the only thing it says is ramon but it's like really unsettling the way it says it's like it's a very creepy one um horrifying it yeah. breaks his bones to squeeze into the jail cell to get him. It's, oh. it's like face bones. It's which is it's so cool. The and unbreakable then, bones, the bones you can't, you shouldn't, you shouldn't break. break those. They like pin it against a truck, and then it like drops its head and arms and like dismembers itself, and then somehow that manages to make the body slip through, which doesn't make sense because it still doesn't change the format of the body to f- slide through the pinning. You know right, what I mean? yeah. But it works for it. Yeah. Um, but it's like still not fun to watch it like just take itself apart and put itself back together. I hate that. Right. So. Thanks. I hate it. Thanks. I hate it. Samantha, you had some information on Yeah. So I, oh, a long time ago when we first watched this, um insider are you familiar with insider they're like a yeah the online the online like publication they did this like behind the scenes really awesome um video about the makeup for this movie um i shared it on facebook a while back if you're friends with me you can go look for it but um so everyone had sam on facebook don't Mm -hmm. um spectral motion is the company that did the makeup for this and they've worked with Guillermo del Toro plenty of times before most notably for Hellboy um and so they're known for being able to take like 2D um source material and translating it into 3D real life okay imagery yeah. can I make a side note yeah Guillermo del Toro's Hellboy oh yeah chef's yes. kiss perfect right golden compass also perfect I haven't is that seen... what it's called is that Guillermo del Toro that's the second Hellboy it's like Hellboy that the Golden Army? The Golden Army, yeah. The Golden Compass Golden is a different Compass movie. Different. The Golden Army is also <laughs> a great... Both of the Hellboy movies yeah. that he did are yeah. perfect. So the two lead artists were named Mike Hill and I think Norman Cabrera. Um, Sorry if I got those names wrong. I was very drunk and too lazy to rewind the video as I was writing the notes. Um, So like I said, they've worked with Guillermo before. Um... Something that I think is super fucking cool is that um, after they made these designs and like, you know, crafted and sculpted them and stuff, they took pictures of them at like the appropriate angles and then brought the pictures into Photoshop and then took the images from the book and layered it on top. Oh, wow. A little transparent to make sure that the designs that they made Matched. were literally carbon copies of the photos. Wow. Um, so, like, when you're watching this and you're like, oh, shit, they got that right. It's because they, they literally, like, got it right. Like, That's they awesome. zoomed in and, like, <laughs> made sure, like, all the creases and, like, all the lines and, like, the eye shapes and, like, where the teeth poke out or whatever, like all of that lined up perfectly to like the images from the um, books. And um, if you're curious on like what they use to make the designs, they use ZBrush, which is a really popular animation tool. They sculpted them, which I don't know if you guys know how ZBrush works, but basically it's kind of like if you were modeling from like, I don't know, like marble or clay where you get this like big whole piece and you chip away at it and yeah. then you make the mold that's how zbrush works is like you start from this like brick and then you move in okay um so that's how they like molded these like 
character designs and then they translated that and like you know printed it out and everything um and then something else that i think is really neat is that um all the movements that you so like all the costumes were specially made with specific actors in mind and um they were fit to like be able to move with the actors and i think this is particularly apparent in the jangly man all the movements that you see that they're doing besides like obviously the head detaching and shit but like the walking backwards on their hands and stuff that's all the actor like that's not computer generated like they hired a guy whose specialty was like doing these like body warping and like to backbend and walk and crawl and like dislocate himself and stuff like that's that's an act i mean like if you're watching it they clearly like computer generated it to smooth it over and to be able to attach the head and stuff but like the motion and stuff that's that it's all entirely actors doing all this like none of these characters that you see are like 100 percent cg like yeah there's some smoothing done for some of it but like it's it's practical effects it's actors doing it all like everything was like casted and made appropriately for this movie which isn't surprising because it's a guillermo del toro movie the only thing surprising is the fact that doug jones wasn't used for any of these creatures which is just absolutely upsetting he was in our hearts he was in our hearts um but anyways i just wanted to go off on a tangent about how fucking amazing the i think part of the reason i love this movie is because the practical and like so well done makeup that was done in such perfect um honor to its source material yeah and i just think it's really neat and i think that more movies should rely on practical effects because practical rules right practical is the best yeah I think practical enhanced with CG, like how I'm sure they did. That's how you make for it. this is like great because, like, no offense to just practical. Sometimes it doesn't always work. It doesn't. So it's do not need, as smooth. It doesn't right. flow. But it is. I feel like it does have more heart in it than um, we and we've had a whole conversations yeah. about this before. But that's so interesting. Yeah, the behind the scenes video. I would like I said, it's an insider video. Um, it's really cool to watch because you get to see a lot of the behind the scenes imagery of them like fitting the actors with the makeup before they had like and they, they show you like them filming it and then like they'll do like scans of like the CG on top of it. Yeah. And it's really, really cool to watch. It's just yeah. such a respect for the source material as well. Like yeah. they really care, which is always good if you're gonna do an adaptation. Finding right. out that they like did the Photoshop thing, I was like, these guys rule. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool because they are like exactly carbon fucking copies. That's great. The same as the pictures from the book, which is awesome. And I mentioned this when we were watching it. The pale lady, how her skin just turns into a dress is the most traumatizing thing out of this entire movie for me. She's the hottest one. Yeah, It's unsettling. <laughs> the jangly man. You can keep okay. by that, but the jangly man is so- okay, the jangly man. Okay. I'm going to put we're going to put up a poll on our Twitter. I'm going to say weird because I probably uh-huh. won't do it. But we're going to put up a poll on our Twitter. You can vote for which monster you think is the hottest. At one point while we're we were watching right it, answer. Molly asked us which one we'd have sex with. And me and Samantha were immediately like the jangly the man. Jangly man. No. But Molly incorrect. Chooses the the pale, the pale woman. I do. And I stand by that choice. Well, okay. You need to backtrack because this came after the conversation that Sam brought up where she was like, you know what? Is Sarah Bellows hot? Is Sarah Bellows hot? No. I don't know. What? 
<laughs> she might be. <laughs> I think yeah. so. Just the one angle Which of none it. None of us agree. No, that is just, just the one angle. a bad take. <laughs> yeah, she's like kind of attractive. She's very old and As dead. <laughs> They showed kind of younger her. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I guarantee if you saw real life Sarah Bellows in real life. Oh, I would wouldn't be into that. Not, no. like, I'm not saying the actor, but like if a ghost came up, you would not be like, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't. I do her. I did, even in the movie, I didn't it's, think she was like no. attractive. Whatever. <laughs> uh, so, of course, I had to ask, you know. And you regretted right, it Which immediately. of the creatures... Okay, and I regretted it because, like, if you give a simple answer, that's fine. But Sam, I don't know what happened to you. She, like, started expanding on. He's like, you know, I bet because of the way. I don't even remember what you said. I'm sure her she can cut in the clip. Yeah. Horrible. But the jangling man can probably do things. No. <laughs> horrible, horrible. I mean, yeah, the jangling man's hot but we um, no he's not we would like so, to hear we would like to hear hear from, from you which you. of these ghosts is hot feel free to include the book images it, okay okay it doesn't even have to be hot which one of them would you be like all right i'll I, smash I do it, yeah 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 some other references that they do to the original books are like just randomly as they're flipping through um sarah bella's book obviously the titles of the stories are all titles from the books the Wendigo, which they feature, um, is directly from the books. Um, there's one point where Ramon, uh, uh, Stella offers Ramon, like, to, lets Ramon stay at her house for a night. And, like, he um, is, like, reading some of the short stories that she has written, that Stella herself has written. And he reads it and says, oh, Sam's pet turns into uh turns out to be a sewer rat oh that's a pretty fresh twist or whatever um and uh that is directly taken from the third scary stories book Uh, it's a story called sam's new pet and it's like this family goes to mexico and uh, like finds a cat or whatever they think it's like a pet and they bring it back for their son sam and it turns out it's a sewer rat (laughs) uh which is like a straight up just taken from the book. Terrifying. Um, but yeah. Uh, I, I think he looks nice. <laughs> in in the book, there's a cool picture of him. And he looks pretty cool. Uh, the little sewer rat. <laughs> uh, but um, I wanted to argue that this film is um, uh, arguably kind of a leftist film oh it's not even kind of it is i think it is yeah why well i don't know i think that um they talk like the main plot point is sarah bellows and her family like hiding her because she's different and how she, like they formed this whole they crafted this whole story about her being a villain and stuff when she really wasn't and right. she was being like gaslit and stuff and i feel like that happens a lot with um like people just like medicating their family and like yeah. you know stuff like that also ramon faces a lot of harsh racism in this and faces a lot like of racism, it's yeah. not even like hidden it's like it's like direct, they straight up yeah. do and so you see all that also minorly pro draft dodging <laughs> well yeah um it so certainly is an anti-draft dodging he ends up caving and like joining but joining. like 
So, you don't but, feel bad that he's dodging the draft. In fact, you're rooting for him yeah, to be you're, doing you're, so. So Ramon's the one villain backstory, is like proud to be joining. Ramon's backstory is that he like is a draft dodger, and that's why he's like um, traveling through the town and trying to run from the police. Um, but uh, even other than that, there's like throughout this movie, there's a random radio DJ that we hear on the radio and at one point the radio dj just literally says like it's time to vote people vote no on (laughs) the war in vietnam yeah yeah yeah. and literally tells them like not to vote for the war and also like at the very beginning so this is also set like during the election 1968 yeah like nixon and all that and somebody on one of like the nixon posters somebody like put a swastika over the x yeah yeah right in one of the like in the very beginning of the movie so that was interesting yeah um it's also anti-cop of course because yes. ramon doesn't want to deal with the cops because he's worried they're gonna catch him this sets up the cops are kind of bad yeah <laughs> and, and the so cop's like just the worst character the cop does suck the cop like is not helpful at all and doesn't believe them at all and locks them up until like they'll like tell him what he wants to hear and then the cop gets killed by the fucking monster because of course he doesn't believe them um so it's it's very anti-cop and also it's environmentalist because um sarah's whole thing was that she was blamed for the death of a bunch of children um Mm -hmm. around like in her generation but it turned like when they listened to the recording yeah yeah um it turns out that her family had a paper mill that was polluting in the river and like leaving mercury in the river. That was what caused the mercury had poisoned all the kids. And Sarah was actually trying to warn them and trying to save the kids. Mm -hmm. But, um, the brothers like forced her to take the blame for it. And like said that she was the one causing the deaths and she had poisoned the kids when it was actually their, harmful business practices um so that's another aspect so like there's a lot of just random subtext in this like and then there's nixon winning the election is literally like on screen and so this uh we'll admit this is a very dumb leftist podcast we um (laughs) we believe in a lot of like leftist ideas but like we're not smart enough or like well read enough <laughs> smooth to brain actually <laughs> very smooth brain talk energy. much about them <laughs> yes but um i looked up because like at some point they mentioned the other person like it was humphrey and i mm-hmm. wanted to look up what that dude's full name was and it's hubert humphrey but i did read on wikipedia um uh as i was reading about the election um in 1969 or 1968 <laughs> Uh, it was okay. So this is what Wikipedia says: the Republican nominee, former Vice President Richard Nixon, defeated the Democratic nominee, incumbent Vice President Hubert Humphrey. Analysts have argued that the election of 1968 was a major realigning election, as it permanently disrupted the New Deal coalition that had dominated presidential politics for 36 years. So the 1968 election was literally a turning point. Um, it was like when Republicans started to gain power Ugh. because like right before that, the president before that was Lyndon LBJ, um, who like 
1964, he did the Civil Rights Act and then also did the Voting Rights Act to give black people the right to vote. Um, and, uh, like, 1968 was the very next election right after all of that had taken place. And so, like, that That's was the reason that, like, r- that was, like, the turning point in American history and why, like, um, because before that there was this New Deal coalition, which, again, uh, not a history major, uh, don't know anything about history. This is literally from skimming Wikipedia while watching the movie. <laughs> but um, the New Deal was like Franklin Delano Roosevelt started that um, to promote jobs and unions and like um, workers' rights and stuff. And so that was like primarily why the Democrats were in power for a lot of those years um because they were like very pro worker and pro union and that's why they had the um um uh, a lot of southern white people uh voted democrat in those times um but then after the voting rights act and uh the civil rights act uh they started voting republican um because of racism uh and so like literally the election of 1968 was when it like switched to um like people not supporting democrats anymore so i thought that was like an interesting choice and i don't know if there's like further subtext to that because i'm like admittedly dumb like don't know about history um but i thought that was like very interesting that they chose to set this movie during that time like literally with um that as yeah. the background you know the election of richard nixon is the background to the story there's another movie that does this yeah in a similar effect which right. is donnie darko <laughs> yeah it's the election between george bush and um uh michael dukakis, dukakis. right and i think that's like it's something that i haven't like bothered to research much about that incident but it's always like been an interesting thing like why would they lean so heavily into that right yeah i don't know but i think it's so interesting like yeah it's a good technique right it's it's really interesting that they set this specifically during that election you can tell that all the decisions here were made consciously and they were clearly trying to give a sort of like subliminal I mean, it's pretty overt, but if you think about the tar- target audience, like it's not like something that they would normally pick up on. Yeah. A lot of, I don't know, oh, teens yeah. nowadays are smarter is- than I am, but um, they, they're definitely trying to give a certain like message to the younger audience in making this movie. It's not just a scary movie. Like it's about how the world is fucked up too. Right. And uh, so it's really neat. And it's another. It loops back to why it was really cool that they didn't make an anthology movie. Like they they made a movie with the message for for their audience. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to bring that up. Uh, um. Yeah. Do you want to go into segments? Yeah. Let's get in. Let's get into it. Let's uh. Let's do it. So, what would you do? What would you do if it were you in this movie? <laughs> what would you do? Um, uh, so who do you relate to the most? Ooh, Stella. 
Stella. Yeah. Stella. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I agree. A creepy kid who wears glasses and likes to write. Right. <laughs> obsessed, I relate. Obsessed with scary things. It's creepy. Can can relate. Cares about her friends. Yeah. Right. Can't relate. I'm just kidding. Um, okay. Yeah, Stella for sure for me. I'm kind of... I, I'd say I'm like a mix between the other three male characters i'm like kind of like i uh ramon is definitely like who i would be if i were like cool you know because like he's you are cool he's the cool one (laughs) um he's uh like the draft dodger and he's the cool like the one that like stella's into and then the other two guys there's the like guy who does all the pranks um chuck who's like a prankster a jokester kind of character and then there's the other guy who's augie augie august who um loves the lake is kind of a nerd he's like just the nerdy character he dresses up as puro from comedia <laughs> de l'art that was, that was something i would do i related to that moment yeah he's like a very like nerdy dude who's like very awkward he's a um He's interested in uh, Chuck's sister and is very weird around her. So, like, the nerdy aspect of him and the jokester aspect of Chuck mixed with um, my ideal form of the coolness of Ramon, I'd say, is me. (laughs) And, of course, like, Stella I do relate to just because she's, like, a writer and she's also, like, very interested in horror stuff. So... All of the characters, like, I relate to, which is weird. Um, but, yeah, so, like, what would you do if you were in this movie? Because, like, you can't escape it. Cause the, the, I, I would say the what would you do should be sourced to on Halloween night when they were in the house. Yeah. Fucking around. And I 100% would have read the book read the book a hundred percent yeah i would have taken me it would have taken me like some motivation to go in there because like that's what scares me is more like the unknown room but once i'm in there hell yeah i'm picking up that motherfucking book i'm really bad at finding secret passages because i haven't found one yet (laughs) but (laughs) pretty crazy that as soon as he gets in he immediately finds that Something that nobody has been able to find. Um, My track record is sparse. It is. But given the opportunity, if I found the book, I would read it. Right. I would definitely explore the house. Definitely. If I found the book, 100% I'm reading it. And then, like, she does what she's supposed to. She, like, goes back and, like, puts the book back. Like, Mm -hmm. I I don't want this anymore. And then it just reappears on her bookshelf. It's your problem now. So, like, you can't escape it. So, of course... I mean, I guess, like, we would kind of partially die, like, so partially survive. Let's say, on. let's say, assuming, let's su- assume we're going to die. What's the thing that's going to kill us? The high beams. Oh. You get high beams. Oh, yeah, you would be high beams. I would beams. be high beams. Does it have to be from Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark? But I don't drive it anymore. Doesn't, so. It just has to be a folktale. I or get pushed down a well you. and get my face ripped off. Yeah. <laughs> After not sending a chain email. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, um, you know what? No, um, I think I would get the dog one. Murderers can lick tood. Oh, 
Oh, murderers can lick too. That's a creepy pasta. We talk about it on our bonus episode. Um, Maybe that. Oh, that's one a of good those one. Two. Yeah, those are the things that scare me the most. If we're talking scary stories, oh, you know what? Mine would be where the one where it's like you go with your mom, like she goes with her mom to a hotel, and then her mom's sick. <gasps> and the gaslight one. The gaslighting one. That's scary. Oh. If you want more on that, check our our bonus episode. Maybe I'd be the viper. <laughs> the viper. <laughs> Do they have the viper in this? I, I hope so. <laughs> I'm gonna go with that one if it's my scary stories. Yeah, you get a call from someone who says they're the viper, <laughs> and then they show up to be the viper. <laughs> to be the viper. <laughs> more on that in our bonus episode. Uh, but yeah. Uh, this is uh yeah that's it that's mm-hmm. what would you do um should we give it acting awards yeah or do we want to do villain first or acting we usually do acting and okay. then go into awards this is a jared we yeah. need to pick a fucking bad movie this season um yeah this is a jared this is jared for me oh movie. i give it a jared for sure yeah um who do i want to give this to I think the girl who played Stella was really good. She is really Stella good. And good. this is going to be just a personal criticism. I don't always think that child actors are good in movies. Mm-hmm. But I think that everybody here was fine. Everyone here was good. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I like I Ramon. that they're all like who they're playing. I'm like, yeah, that's just them in real life. Yeah. Right. I thought Ramon was cool. But I also Ramon just liked his background good. story. Yeah. I'd probably give it to Ramon. I am going to give it to Stella just because yeah. she was the main and she had to do all the heavy lifting. Right. I want to give it to the jangly man. You are the worst. <laughs> the man. He moves his body in ways that most actors cannot. You know what? That's good. Yeah, that's a good point. But there's not a lot of acting Was that a there real that person? Guy. No, it's a real person Yeah, she like said that, that earlier. Yeah, yeah. like okay. he's just like fucked up it was like an I like well i wasn't guy. sure if he was like just crawling and doing they're doing cgi nope. i didn't know that's just that's him. cool um some of the yeah. stuff where he's like crawling on walls and stuff obviously but no that he's not really acting in this so um i i actually think i'd give it to chuck i really believe that that actor <laughs> chuck was like good. he just felt real like mm-hmm. i feel like i knew like he felt like people that i knew in my life so i yeah. think yeah. I'm, I'm gonna go with chuck all right nice very cool so villain ranking. So the villain is Sarah Bellows or the book. Well, of I Sarah guess Bellows. technically it Can should be. Can we just be... group them all together? Well, I think technically we should make it like the Sarah Bellows book, book. because yeah. like Sarah Bellows herself isn't technically evil, but also like she is technically killing the people in this movie. Through, yeah, she's killing them through the book, though. It's the stories that kill them. Um, I put the book. Below Jigsaw and above Laura Barnes, and that's all nestled between the various uh, ghost face. So that makes Cerebella's book number four. I think that if I were within this universe, there's really no escaping once she's got you. So I think that's really effective. It's also like I'd probably die in a really cool creative way, but I don't think that it's quite as frightening as being in one of Jigsaw's traps or by certain ghost face also just some certain ghost face just hold a high place in my heart so i'm not gonna budge on those motherfuckers i think uh i'll put sarah bell's at number number two on my list number two 
Yes. So my list, my number one is the Ghost from Unfriended, and then Sarah Bellows is number two, and then number three is Jigsaw from Saw, and then number four is the original Ghostface, Billy and Stu from Scream, and then it follows from there. Uh, Molly? Um, I put Sarah Bellows' book at um number five. I have it below um, all four of the ghost faces, <laughs> and that's ranked as Ghostface Billy and Stu, Ghostface yeah. Jill and Charlie, Ghostface Mrs. Loomis and Mickey, and Ghostface Roman Bridger, and no one else. <laughs> um, and then above Jigsaw, then above Billy t- slash Laura Barnes. Um, I think it's great. I loved that. I love yeah. the whole book storytelling aspect of this. It was awesome. Right. It's a cool it's cool that they show up in the stories and the stories are what kill them. The only reason right now it's so low is because like I it's gonna be almost impossible for anything to break my ghost face top four. Yeah. They're so good. Ghostface is my favorite. We're gonna have to pick a movie that's like targeting your personal taste. I know. It's I'm gonna hate you for it, but it'll be fine. What are we rating this movie out of stories books? oh stories chapters stories? scary stories scary stories how about okay but only if we can tell them in the dark <laughs> fine <laughs> how many scary stories would you tell in the dark how many kisses movie? on the cheek you would give guillermo del <laughs> toro as a thank you for his work um <laughs> <laughs> how many times you cried during the shape of water <laughs> 10 Um, I don't know. I'll give it a seven. What are we doing it out of? Out of stories? Psst, scary stories. Scary stories. We picked and then I just kept doing bits. All right. <laughs> Cut all that. So you're giving it a seven, babe? Yeah. Uh, I'll give it a seven out of ten scary stories. Uh, I think it's like a a really like well done movie. Um, uh, all the creature designs are amazing. Uh, but again, like at the end of the day, it's still like a kid's movie and like the story is too much of just like a kid's movie storyline for me to like actually like, like it that much, but it gets like points for the creature designs and the transformation of the, the kid Harold, Harold, uh, the transformation of the kid into the um, scarecrow that was really creepy, mm-hmm. and then it's like just generally like low key like in the background a leftist movie, so <laughs> um, I'll give it. You know what? I'll go up to an eight just for that. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyways, vote for Bernie. Um. <laughs> yeah. I also give it an eight. I really like kids' movies if they're done well. Yeah. And I feel like this one wasn't like dumbing itself down for children. Right. But it was like made for kids, if like how you were saying. But it's a movie made for kids that like adults can also enjoy with like horror movie tastes. Um so yeah, I like the monster stuff a lot. That's so neat. But then it wasn't just like cool monster stuff, but then the plot was kind of lacking. It was like a good plot too. Um my original review, I gave it basically an eight, but and I was going to tonight, but like the more, because the more I think about it, I was like, this is like honestly a phenomenal like younger kids film, 
And I'm thinking like, honestly, I don't want that to stop me from giving it a better score all because I'm not its target audience. Um, so I'm going to give it a nine. Um, I just think about how I would have killed to have a movie like this when I like 10 years ago, basically, like when I was the target audience. Right. It would have been just so wonderful yeah. to have this. Like mm-hmm. I would have lost my shit i wasn't even that much of a film person but i was watching horror movies and really introducing myself to them and this would have been like such a good scary quality introduction film and i think that it's just too good for this world (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think it's it's definitely like a great movie if you're a kid yeah if you're a teenager then this is definitely like a must watch um horror movie um so now is it is it recommendations time? yeah Fuck, i have not been thinking about recommendations. i would recommend the goosebumps movie oh the one with jack black also very recently yeah and it's oh, kind of okay. i've not seen it. i would say it's a little bit dumber it's the, the, it's the stories come to life right is that what yeah yeah but yeah. it's very similar themed and i i think goosebumps by definition is a little bit more campy and right. silly yeah so it is very fun if you're like a goosebumps fan right. which i am <laughs> so that's, that was cool that's a good recommendation i do like that movie <laughs> i watched it in theaters did you i did too well i watched it in theaters because the sundial humor magazine at ohio state university um uh rl stein was was an editor of the sundial and so like the sundial we went as a group to watch the movie in theaters and it's like a fun movie like it's again a kid's movie it's not like amazing if you're an adult but you know, it's it's passable. I went because I wanted to see it, and it was in theaters. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh. Isn't there like don't uh? What is it? Uh. Are you, gonna say, are you afraid of the dark? I was. I is thought you were gonna say don't is? look under the bed, and I was gonna jump out the window. What is that? The movie that traumatized me. Is that a movie? What is it? It's um a Disney. Ch- it's the first Disney Channel original movie to get a PG rating. Oh wow. <laughs> Um, I would say other Guillermo movies. Uh, what's a good one to recommend? I maybe Pan's Labyrinth, but I've never seen that. I think <gasps> oh, that's definitely got yes. some really cool creature design. That movie, I like watched it on my phone in like the two hours I had layover at an airport. Mm-hmm. It is one of the, and then I watched it later, like I think later in the week, because it was just so, so good. good. Oh my god, it's a beautiful movie. And also, I'd say Hellboy because the same people who did these designs did Hellboy. Um, and also, Hellboy is just a really awesome movie. The Guillermo del Toro one. The other one, uh, not so much. He did um, the Devil's Backbone, another yeah, Guillermo yeah, yeah, movie yeah. that's really good. That's, like, scary. And well, that is, like, a movie about children. Don't be afraid of the dark. Okay. Ah, that's it. So that's, like, mm. interesting. Yeah. Um, another one is... Uh, zodiac based on color palette alone based on color palette uh because all movies set in the 60s have to have deep mustard and teal tones um deep mustard that's just a requirement so that 
I would also say the Goosebumps TV series. Oh, yeah. That shit slaps. That Goosebumps TV series is a work of art for children. Oh, it's awesome. I put it on sometimes and I'm like, all right, let's get into this. I've watched it in the adult life. It's it's so so scary. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, as I mentioned, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark uh, is um i haven't seen it but like guillermo del toro did like a 2010 remake of don't be afraid of the dark which is a abc 1973 tv movie um and uh that's just another guillermo del toro property that's like based on existing material so similar themes i'd also recommend the movie urban legend because a lot of the scary stories from the book are based on urban legends and just folk tales in general and urban legend is a horror movie also based on urban legends and stuff that movie fucking rolls it's It's so campy but it just like it's it's, that has like one of my favorite movie scenes of all time yeah uh urban legend uh creep show i just saw (gasps) on our on our shelf um creep show is an anthology movie like that's kind of parodying not parodying but like an homage to just horror comics Mm -hmm. from that era uh so that's good uh i think those are all my recommendations i don't really have anything else the books the scary stories to tell in the dark books yes yeah the books definitely those are great and just uh, <laughs> folk tales and urban legends in general are also generally great. Read up, in know what's book. out there. Oh wait, you said the book. You said the book. <laughs> wow, I like Samantha. just processed that you were saying that. I am so sorry. <laughs> um. Okay. Uh. So those are recommendations. Um. So you can follow me at not a credit card and everything. You can get me on Instagram and Twitter at Save Our Shaggy. That's a Scooby Doo reference. And I am unfortunately still on Letterboxd at SamanthaDon13. If you subscribe to our Patreon, maybe Sam will use some of the money to Please go pro. Give me yeah. money. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Midsummer Queen, spelled like the movie Midsummer, directed by Ari Aster. Um, on Instagram at Molly Francis Haynes and on letterbox.mo11yhainess. And you can follow the show at Tipsy Terror on Twitter, Tipsy Terror Pod at gmail.com if you want to email us. And then uh, we have our websites that point to all our stuff uh, tipsyterror.com, tipsyterror.rip, tipsyterror.wtf, and tipsyterror.pub. A dot pube um and then we have a patreon uh for one dollar a month you get to vote in polls to decide one of our episodes per month this episode was decided by a patron poll and then for five uh you also get uh reviews i'm going through i'm doing a project where i go through the last 50 years of horror blah blah blah. i write a review every month i'm running late on them because i am busy very busy uh i am like a few days late on this most latest one but um uh also i straight up just forgot (laughs) about the morning after today (laughs) uh did not edit it yet so uh anyway um uh for you can get that those at the one dollar level and then for five dollars a month you get bonus episodes and right now we do one bonus episode per month and this month's bonus episode is about the books scary stories to tell in the dark Mm -hmm. we like 
talk about the books just in general and then we read some of our favorite stories from the books uh and then also just scary stories in general that we've heard or like other urban legends that we like uh which we've teased during this episode but uh that's it so thanks for listening thank you thank you bye 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 oh i forgot that lana del rey made the best cover ever for this movie what'd she say season of the witch